0: The only way it's been possible is by building effective systems and ultimately delegating accountability and responsibility to key personnel rather than delegating tasks, which is typically the, the way in which you know the SME, small to medium business owner looks at it and says, right, well, if I can just get a few of these things off my plate, I can achieve a few more things. And you sort of get into this perpetual hamster wheel. So I'd say that the one thing that's worked for us has been finding the right people and giving them accountability and responsibility to make good decisions on what is in the best interest of the business that's aligned with their KPIs and expectations and and everything that relates to creating a mutually beneficial outcome.
1: So welcome to another episode of Screw It, Just Do It With Me, Alex, your host, and my very special guest this week, Yoni Kozminsky. Welcome to you, Yoni. Alex,
0: thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a real honor to be here.
1: Thank you so much. So for those of you um, who haven't come across Yoni before, he is the founder and CEO of Eskala. And multiply me businesses that provide end to end executive search and HR functions for top e commerce and Amazon talent in the Philippines and management consulting practice focused on process improvement to build efficiencies at scale for the same market. And prior to these businesses, you only scaled an Amazon business from two to five million in just 12 months, but the bulk of your career has been spent in the digital marketing and creative advertising space in a number of different countries, which we're sure we'll get to, Australia, Israel, and the US. Plus, as those of you who are watching the podcast can see, you're also um, the host of the Successful Scales podcast. So welcome once again.
0: Yeah, thanks, Alex. I need you to sort of... and now it's my entry to uh, every place that I go with such a succinct way of, of cramming it yeah. in. I'm going to have to listen back and, and, and use it. So thanks again yeah. for having me and thanks
1: for the introduction. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, first question off the bat is going to be, you know, how do you manage to run two businesses that were both started within around six months of each other? And as you mentioned earlier, looking to launch a third business as well.
0: Yeah. So... I think it's the question that most people should start and say, well, how do I run one business efficiently and and not sort of invest too much time into being that bottleneck? And so everything that we do, and I would say a Scala, a process improvement management consulting practice, is a little bit of an unfair advantage or a a cheat sheet, if you will, on how to do that. Um, The only way it's been possible is by building effective systems and ultimately, delegating accountability and responsibility to key personnel rather than delegating tasks, which is typically the, the way in which you know the SME small to medium business owner looks at it and says, right, well, if I can just get a few of these things off my plate, I can achieve a few more things. And you sort of get into this perpetual hamster wheel. So I'd say that the one thing that's worked for us has been finding the right people and giving them accountability and responsibility to make good decisions on what is in the best interest of the business that's aligned with their KPIs and expectations and and everything that relates to creating a mutually beneficial outcome. Mm.
1: So I, as I, as I thought, I'm going to go um, deviate from my second question straight away. Like I thought, I was going to just something that you said in the <laughs> in the first answer. We said it was going to go this way. Um, it, so title of this podcast is "Screw It, Just Do It," and you know many people that I've interviewed have, have done just that with their business and something that. Uh, Always kind of grates at me is um, it's people who take forever to to make a decision to start the business. But at what point then do you think is that is the right time, if there ever is a right time, of course, yeah, um, to put those processes in place, those you know, SOPs are standard operating procedures to put that structure in place. Because as we'll come into in my next question, so many businesses started. Um, during a recession, during a, during the pandemic, et cetera, there's never been more businesses started in the UK, I know, dur- during that period. Wow. So, yeah, um, unbelievable stats. And most of them actually came not out of London, which most people would think, but in the north of the country, like Manchester, now you're mentioning your, your wife being from Leeds. But, um, yeah, interested to know what you think because people can sit on the fence forever, yeah, and, you know, whether it's starting the business, starting the podcast – buying the first house, getting married, whatever it is, there's never a right time. But given your experience, when do you think entrepreneurs should start looking at these kinds of things?
0: Yeah. So firstly, Alex, great question. I'm glad that you have gone off-pissed and we're, uh, we're <laughs> heading down this this direction, this slope. I would say in light of and your title, the name of the show, Screw It, Just Do It, I think that not, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. And it's all about execution. So I'd say don't let planning get in the way of your ability to execute. You always wanna, you know, it, it, now is always the right time to start something. So, mm. so before I go into when is the right time to build process, I just wanna preface that saying, like, you gotta be in it to win it and you have to start somewhere. And so it's about progress, not perfection. So just get your head in the game. Now, when's the right time to start building process? I would say, you know, how we approached, I think maybe just giving Multiply Me is a bit of a case study to you and, and showing sort of how we approached it. Um, mm-hmm. Multiply Me is an executive search and HR function into the Philippines. So I'd say there's aspects of it. that are a little bit more complex than, than some businesses or probably a lot of businesses. Honestly, there's a lot of moving pieces from finding the talent and attracting them. You sort of have to build both supply and demand side as opposed mm-hmm. to sort of building a product and just selling it to one audience. So there's sort of a few moving and there's also payroll and healthcare and all these things, and all these complexities. So how I actually approached that was I pitched my founding team and my co-founder with a one-page version of a business plan, which is called, and it's slipping my mind for, for the moment, but it is called a It'll come to me. Anyway, it's a one-page business plan that's split up into seven blocks. And you talk about sort of the structure, how you're going to generate revenue, business model canvas. I knew I would get there. So, so I would yeah. say building a business model canvas is a great way for anyone who's wanting to start a business and understand at a very high level, like, do I have traction there? Is this something that makes sense? And, you know, feeding that out to a few people. And then on the back of that, we build the financial planning at a, at a level like, does this business make financial sense. And we started building some high level processes of like, what would the interaction again, just remembering this is a bit more complicated a business. So I'd say if it's, if it's, I'm going to source a product from China that I believe in, and I'm building an e-commerce brand, you probably don't need to go to that level of detail. I'd always say, you know, having that recommendations around understanding the financials and you know, what will it actually yield is probably a good idea, but I'd say at the start you're always going to want to be really nimble so having short feedback loops and understanding does this work doesn't this work much more valuable than building you know a five-layered structure on a hierarchical version of your sops training videos documentation because it's going to change a lot in the early mm-hmm. stages and so over investment in building that doesn't really make sense and this is from someone who has a process improvement consulting practice so i'd say it's sort of a fine line Um, you want to have a level of planning and degree of like, what am I working towards? And I think having some loose goal is key to starting any business because you can at least measure against, are we on or off track? But then once it comes to the documentation of process, you can start with short feedback loops. And then as things become a little bit more well-defined and well-oiled, that's when you start to build processes. And I'd say, again, depending on how small the team is, when it starts, if you're doing everything at the start and it's just you and the business, then there's no need really to document those processes on day on day dot. But I'd say yeah. as the level of complexity starts to be there and you're starting to get a little bit of traction, then, well, I'm going to need to start handing things off to other people. So documenting those processes and having all of the goodness that's inside of your head put on you know, a sheet of paper is, is really a good time to start that. So I'd say start before you need to hire someone because all of a sudden you're going to be on that sort of hamster wheel of, well, I need to build the processes, but there's too many things going on here. So, you know, start slow and gradually move into, you know, I'd say a more advanced level of it.
1: Yeah. Good advice. And I'm glad you mentioned like a, like a one page business model canvas. Cause I've, I've talked about this before and reason being previous iteration. I worked for Virgin startup and other Virgin Company, Richard Branson's not-for-profit, providing uh, funding and mentoring to entrepreneurs. And the, the biggest killer, and I'm sure, I, I hope to God they've changed things, but that was what probably seven years ago, I guess. I I hope they've changed things. But the each entrepreneur was given a business plan and it was literally like 90 pages long. And the return rate of people you know, asking for that and actually completing that Was minuscule. It was single digits. It might have been something like three percent, or or something like that. And he just thought, "Oh, talk about a dream killer! You know, to to hit somebody over the head with with something like the, you know, the size of British Encyclopedia or or or, or the dictionary or whatever. You know, instead of just giving them something basic like that. You know, I, you know, can you? What are you selling? Is there a market for it? Is there a way of getting paid? You know, um, how do you get it in front of people? You know, those kinds of, you know. Straightforward question. Do you actually have a viable business? Or, like you said, instead, is it just another idea? Rather than go, Bosh, here's a load of stuff to fill out from day one, it's, it's just not conducive to the entrepreneur's mindset and, and core values, is it really?
0: Yeah, c- couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, if you asked me to put a 90 page Dock together around it, especially considering how much ideas change when you're actually live in market. I mean, that just feels like sort of, you know, the academic putting something out into the ether, having a ninety page, uh, you know, something the size of the British Encyclopedia out there. Yeah, not 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 conducive and not not realistic in in my opinion, as just one guy who, you know, who's doing a few things.
1: And um, like you started uh, Multiply Me first a few months before the pandemic I believe and then a scholar shortly after during the pandemic could have been easy? <laughs> yeah
0: I would say um, I would say that the model that you know we, we play a lot on geolocation based arbitrage. So mm. you know when it comes to things inside of the pandemic environment, people are trying to cut costs and find ways to continue to deliver, deliver on that level of service. And so I think our businesses are pretty right for what the market was dictating, but gee, it was not fun trying to win new business when you just launched a business in January of 2020, when everyone's like, you know, hold the phone. We're not doing a single change here. So I'd say there was probably a three or four month period where, you know, lucky we won a few clients before the pandemic. And we, you know, we had enough oxygen to sort of, bear the brunt of it until things started to, you know, the, the new normal, as everyone keeps calling it. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to be the normal normal. Uh, yeah, me too, me too. Uh, it's starting to feel like that here, honestly. Um, yeah, but I agree. But, uh, but anyway, I would say that, yeah, definitely aspects, ch- new business development, really challenging. Um, but the solution that we had was, you know, management consulting solutions, you know, if you go to EY, Accenture, Deloitte, McKinsey, Bain, your starting price is, you know, a million dollars million and goes well north of that. You know, we've effectively democratized management consulting, selling it in the, you know, in the tens of thousands of dollars for projects that would have cost literally, you know, in some cases, tens of millions of dollars. So I would say definitely definitely helps the model, helps our ability to operate during a pandemic environment.
1: Yeah cuz I was, was going to say you know, you know hindsight being the wonderful thing that it is you could see that the the businesses that you launched were were right for the market at the time um so where did the idea come from then because because I'm, I'm sure you you weren't the one person in the world who knew the pandemic was coming but <laughs> you know where or was, where did was that... i oh, oh, was
0: i was the guy creating it in the lab uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, look. I, I mean, I'll say that you know, pandemic, no pandemic. You know, the idea and the concept was proven out beforehand. So, yeah. when I was in, when I was in that e-commerce business, and you know that we took it from two to five million, my co-founder and I, um, they were sort of stuck. These you know classic entrepreneurs, they found and created a great brand or a great product, rather, um, and that was all good. But once you hit a certain level of you know, growth for them, it was about that $2 million uh, revenue level in an Amazon, largely Amazon uh, environment, things start to fall off. You don't really understand, you know, operationally, how do I make sure that all the information flows through? You know, you you can't, you had one of the co-founders handling the PPC and he was doing the own, the design on Canva and he, you know, he was trying to do absolutely everything and handling the inventory and logistics and you know, to be honest, he just thought he was God's gift. And the reality was, there's only so much that one human can actually handle. It doesn't matter how talented you are. So, when I came in to that business, I'd had 10 years of agency experience working with designers, developers, content writers, ops managers, like everything ultimately that business needed. And so, what I did was, I built a high level team out of the Philippines. I built us an agency effectively of about 15 people. And on the back of that, building out those systems and processes and bringing in the right personnel from, you know, creative directors and designers to customer success team to, to you know, the end-to-end needs of a business like that, you know, it was very easy to scale because we could all of a sudden focus on the things that really moved the needle. So, we built that in that environment and it was sort of like the, the test case of what made sense and then that business was acquired and so I had to sort of make a decision: Do I go back into Amazon? Do I effectively recreate that, um, or do I actually help uh, a lot more people do this for themselves? And I think for me personally, as a, a founder, co-founder of this business, uh, I find both of us are very mission-led and so mm. or mission-driven, if you will. And for me, you know, the the metric—it's not about you know the vanity metrics around revenue and you know, I mean, profitability is not necessarily a vanity metric, but the thing that really sort of gets me up in the morning is, is how many lives are we impacting because we exist in market. And so I'll always lead in with, we have three, you know, 330 people on payroll today. It's because 330 people can now provide for their families and they get healthcare and social security and HMO and Health and, 13th month and all the things that are sort of mandated by the filipino government uh which that's where our sort of resource drivers or our human capital or you know our team as i'd more uh i'd prefer to call it uh sit and so um yeah long-winded answer for you there alex but uh but that's definitely that was where it started and we've just sort of put it on steroids if you will
1: yeah no no i love i love that and i I love speaking to people who are who are mission driven. It, it springs to mind somebody who's been a, a guest on here a number of times, Al Barrett from Grenade, that number one sports nutrition company in in Europe, and you know me saying to him, I think he did his like his first uh, interview after he sold the business to, to Cadbury's, um, you know, big big chocolate company for two hundred million at the uh, at the end of last year, and I said, well, you know, that must make you feel amazing. He said, well, do you know what? it is great but bigger than that is seeing people able to pay their mortgages put their kids into further education because of taking this business from like a you know 50 pounds startup you know 12 years ago to 200 million exit and and seeing all those other people be able to change their own lives in you know in many different ways as well so 330 that's 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 a phenomenal start in 3 years i think personally <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's going it's going good. We're at a point now where we're sort of placing about 30 people every month, and that number sort of continues to to slowly but surely rise with the infrastructure we continue to build out. But yeah, definitely like also Cabri. I know Cabri uh very, very well. It was actually the first client that I've ever worked with in in digital. Um oh, so I worked okay. with Cabri, Fredo Frog, Cream Egg, Booze, yep. Cherry Ripe. And what absolutely drives me nuts is you know you're sitting there saying, wow. I know Mondelez. I know Kraft Foods. I know That's what they it, do. That's yeah. no, no one in the U.S. knows what I'm talking about. And so it's like this huge, <laughs> you know, it's this huge badge of honor outside of the U.S., but you speak to everyone in the U.S. and they're like, never heard of them.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah.
0: And it's the best chocolate.
1: Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Um, and interested to know then, so um, why did you choose the Philippines um, out of interest? Were there any other countries up for discussion? And and that comes from somebody who um, has and still does employ Philippines as well as part of my, you know, my staff.
0: Yeah, I I would say that, you know, it was a very sort of personal experience that I went through, you know, I'd worked with lots of, uh, you know, I've lived in multiple countries. Uh, I've worked with talent out of India and Pakistan and Eastern Europe and you know, you name it. I I think I've worked with, you know, most sort of uh, geographies. And when I was interviewing in this business for a project manager in my marketing function, I stumbled upon this woman, Joan, and she was one of the founding team members uh, at Multiply Me. And I looked at her resume and I was like, you are like, I got on the call with her. and I said, you are so overqualified for this position as a project manager. She literally, just to wrap companies up for sale. She had an experience in digital, like she just, she had it all. She was like this unicorn. And I think, I think she was looking for about five or $6 an hour uh, back then. And I got on the call with her and I was like, you know, why? And she's like, look, I've spent decades in corporate Philippines. I just, I want something that's a little bit more chill and casual and project management role. So anyway, we worked together. Uh, for the last two and a half years and she actually was responsible for creating her worst nightmare and growing this quickly. So she's now Mm gone to start uh, her own small business and saying, you know what, I'm not going to grow this one too too large. But what happened in that experience was I really understood sort of the capabilities of talent that exists in the Philippines that was well beyond what you'd find on like onlinejobs.ph or, you know, how people talk a lot about VAs. You know, that vernacular is literally it's dead in our business okay. and it's about it's about bringing in high value, highly capable talent. So back to answering your question on the back of that experience, when you dig a little deeper, what you find is that you've got a population of 120 million people in the Philippines of that um, in the business process outsourcing space, 95% are college educated or higher and college is done in English. And mm-hmm. when you look at sort of the character types or the DNA of a Filipino or Filipina, Um, it's very much about job security, about loyalty and about also career progression. So if you can, what you ultimately are left with is highly educated, highly motivated and driven people that want to succeed at what is built out for them. And so I just found culturally, it was a really great fit. I sometimes feel like I connect more with, you know, with the Philippines than I do some of the countries that I've lived in, um, just from that sort of, uh, give, that push, pull, give, take. And so that was sort of it. And definitely would be open to exploring other geographies. And honestly, we're building a technology platform in the background as well that might stop us needing to sort of build out additional infrastructure because, I mean, you know, I don't know if we'll we'll get onto this level of conversation, but building out service-based businesses have limitations when it comes to scalability. So while we're growing, you you know, 30 people each month and that's all great, you know, there's still there's still a headache waiting uh, at every stage of it. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. That's why the Philippines are open. <laughs> yeah. And no, I've got a, somebody I've been in contact with, they have got a call with them tonight as well. And they've been building out a team. I think they've got about 35 people now with, with an agency, but it's out of Sri Lanka as well. Um, but that's like where they're from originally, even though they live in Australia now, for example. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 the same. I I just find them incredibly loyal with customer service and, and that comes from someone who's been, you know, brought up on virgin customer service, which for me is about as, as good as it can, you know, can get unless you then go Mandarin uh Oriental and you know, that those those kinds of businesses. But yeah. um yeah, I just find it incredibly um the customer service is is unbelievable, incredibly loyal, incredibly hardworking. Um, want to please, you know, people please, etc. And I, I agree. I think that, the, you know, the VA terminology, et cetera, is gone a long time ago as well. Because it's just talent, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's talent.
0: Especially when we live in a post-pandemic world and, you know, we've all been able to successfully run businesses remotely with talent that we typically uh, would have sat side by side with in, in teams. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just look at, Geograph, you know, geographically dispersed teams is sort of my terminology. But I think the whole VA, like the four-hour week, sensationalized sort of the term VA virtual assistant. And I think, like, that did a lot of good around exposure. But now yeah. when you think about sort of scaling a business and building something that actually stands the test of time where you're not going to be a bottleneck, if you're not finding educated, motivated, talented people to come in and own functions in the business, then you're always going to be stuck on that hamster wheel, like I sort of outlined before. So that's why I feel, you know, very strongly about both, you know, it's talent and it's not virtual assistants. If you hire someone for 2 or $3 an hour that doesn't have an education, that doesn't have the capabilities and they're looking for you to feed them tasks. And that's what, you know, that's the output that you can expect but if you find someone who has the skill sets you need, and if you interview correctly, and you approach the the mission as to why you're hiring this individual and how it's going to impact the business, you go through that whole journey. Um, you know, you'll see some pretty wildly different outcomes.
1: Mm. And you're and you're able to run your business from a completely different location. Um, your staff are based in or are all your staff in the Philippines or some of them with you in in Israel or is it just yourself in Israel and your co-founders elsewhere?
0: Yeah. So, so there's four of us now sitting here in Tel Aviv. Okay. Uh, My co-founder and I are both Australian, but live here in Tel Aviv. We actually met playing Australian rules football for the Israeli national team, which is pretty funny. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm literally the only one in the office today. There's, the rest of them are working from home. Like, you know, it, it hasn't served us to have face-to-face meetings. Like that's not really, we haven't been built like that. We also run on a methodology called EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, there's a book called Traction, Getting a Grip on Your Business by Gina Wickman for anyone listening. And I don't know, Alex, if you're familiar with it, but it is. Um, I know the title. It's a metho-
1: I think I've ever read it.
0: Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's a book that's, it's it, depending on what, article you read about it they say between 10 and 250 uh, employees or 50 and 250 i think from 10 uh would be just fine to start with but it is an amazing framework that really just helps you get a grip on your business as the
1: title suggests nice and with regards to your businesses and who you who you help we talked about the VA side of things. Are you specifically looking to help entrepreneurs at a certain level, like from that eight, 10 employee up rather than those startups who are just looking to onboard one potential team member or two or three, et cetera. What's your sweet spot?
0: Yeah. So I'd say it's different for, for each of the businesses, uh, for, for a specifically, uh, in its current iteration, it is focused on e-commerce businesses that are probably a little bit more established. So doing at least a couple million dollars in revenue. Uh, and we're working with companies that are, you know, doing north of a hundred million in revenue and are building out, you know, serious operations. So back to your initial question or your second question about when is the right time to actually build out processes, you know, Escala, you're going to work with us once you're at a point where you need those processes or just before, or, you know, you've been doing it without for years and it's like, holy shit, we need help. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and for multiply me, I would say like any new business, you know, if you'd asked me this question two, two and a half years ago, I would have said, we'll take anyone. We'll take heart, you know, you know, uh, as you're trying to sort of get traction, I would say we work best now with people who are looking to build out teams. So, I mean, we, we, we leverage a lot of methodologies uh, in how we run our operation, but, We went through an experience last year um, where we built our wildly important goal, our WIG, for this year, um, which is four disciplines of execution, 4DX, which is a methodology where you sort of build what's your driving goal, your wildly important goal, and then what are the lead measures that can impact you actually achieving that. And one of the goals of the wildly important goal, I don't remember it, you know, Uh, verbatim off the top of my head but it's something like moving from having six clients that have uh more than three multipliers three team members in their business with us or more to moving to 30 um so our goal was to start building teams of three and above so i'd say we will absolutely work with with businesses that are looking to place one or two people but it's full-time it's full-time talent it's not going to be like a four hour of this one we're not we're not we're not an agency. The, the mm. logic behind it as well is that for for you or for any client to be successful, it's important that you build your own culture and that you have that relationship with anyone coming in and, and sort of splitting uh, splitting that focus and attention around multiple clients uh, loses impact. Uh, and that's not to say like having a freelancer build a project around a website, for example, high value, you don't need to maintain it ongoing once it's up in and live, but if it's something core to your business, then having that in house and being dedicated to you is, in my
1: opinion, more, more valuable, and that's why we sort of built the model that way. And and was the the plan like when you were when you had the idea and you're looking to to execute? You know, mm-hmm. was one of those first questions? Can we scale this business quickly?
0: I would say that the question that I had in my mind is: if I go back into Amazon. What's the what's the capital requirement? And it honestly, for me to do anything of any real value, I would have had to inject. I would say two fifty to half a million dollars, uh, and I didn't have that. I didn't have that capital just lying around. So this was in my mind. You know, we invested about hundred thousand dollars into the business, and we were able to sort of. I mean, we're still not quite profitable, so we keep investing and investing. We didn't have a marketing function six months ago. Now we have a team of sixteen. We'd have a biz ops team. I couldn't even tell you what a biz ops team did twelve months cool. ago. Now we've got five in our biz ops team. So we keep doubling down and investing. You know, I've got a product team of ten building out technology. so we continue to reinvest, but the the decision, the initial decision, was really how quick, how much capital do I need to invest, and how quickly can we turn this into ROI? Uh, it's still not quite there, but that's because we keep investing. And again, yeah. coming back to that mission, I'd rather create more opportunities and long term be profitable and go down that that path because I really believe in you know you'd hope so as well. I really believe
1: in the mission and the vision of where we're headed. Mm. And you know, what are some of those? Step some of those lessons that you've learned that, that our audience might find useful on on how you managed to you know scale from as you say like two three people up to 300 plus on 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 payroll
0: have you got an hour <laughs> yeah i
1: know <no. laughs> yeah
0: um i have made uh wow i have made a lot uh of mistakes and you know honestly um continue to make them, Uh, the goal is always how do you make fewer or make them uh, less painfully. I'd say some of the key learnings I would have is that um, number one is that people uh, or having the right people is everything. So investing heavily in finding the right talent who are aligned with both the objective and also your core values. So we built our core values and that's part of understanding is this person aligned with what. trying to achieve so getting the right people and getting them in the right seats i think is really critical like our product team for example you know these are hard conversations to have when you have to let someone go but it's happened twice twice now where we've thought we had the right person to lead that function and it hasn't it hasn't panned out and i'd also you know put my hand up and say you know what didn't really build the mission correctly didn't understand what outcomes needed to drive that mission and wasn't really clear on the attributes that that person needed to have to be successful in achieving the outcomes to win at the mission. And so, again, building out better, uh, it's not job descriptions. It's actually building out why you need someone in the team and building the seats and then understanding Mm -hmm. how what that looks like, I think, is probably one of the most important lessons because that also feeds into making sure that you have the right KPIs and expectations, you know, one of my favorite quotes at the minute is to be unclear is to be unkind, and so it's not about us you know doing t- you know ten million figures and all that stuff that people love to talk about it's about the fact that I want whoever is in my team to know what success looks like. I want it to be realistic and reasonable, and I want us both to be able to to win at what that looks like so creating that clarity around the right onboarding plan, understanding the business, building the KPIs and expectations. And, you know, as you get sort of more creative, building the right incentives around those KPIs in terms of, you know, people will do what you motivate them to do. And so if you can get that right, um, you know, again, it creates a win-win scenario. So, I mean, honestly, Alex, I could keep going on uh, of all the lessons. Uh, You just tell me when you want me to
1: stop. No, no, it's good. It's good to, to, to get a few, um, for sure. Because I think, and in, you know, my own experience in, and the biggest challenge that, and i have you know, this podcast me been going five years now and interviewed, you know, congratulations. People. Thank you very much. Be 500 no episodes feet. before the end of the year. Um, appreciate it. No, it's not. And, and again, it's, you know, it's consistency. Um, you know, for sure. But, you know, people, that you know, interviewed from running billion dollar businesses to, you know, six figure businesses, seven figure businesses. but it's, it's the same challenge that comes up again and again. And it's, it's, it's hiring the right people and then keeping the right people there. And, you know, how do you do that? And in, in my own experience, it's been when, again, I've had to make those difficult decisions and realize actually not necessarily hired the wrong person, but, for me on reflection it's usually that i didn't invest that time at the time of wanting that person you know not as you, as you, as you rightly said you know explaining you know the, the mission to them correctly and their role in achieving that mission it's just grabbing someone throwing them into a seat and going uh, here's your email crack on and then you know getting frustrated that they're not producing what you want them to produce and it's again recognizing now that I'm not the right person to actually be making those decisions. What, what, what gives me the right to actually be in charge of training that person and, and you know, all the things that come with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're spot on and you touched on, and again, I'm I'm not surprised nearly 500 episodes recorded. You've got some, uh, a ton of nuggets of wisdom uh, in your head too, obviously from your experience, but just from having those caliber of guests that you've, you've had, yeah. um, that consistency is just so, so critical. I had a guest on my podcast recently, and he said to me, what people don't understand is that success is a guarantee. You just have to be in the game long enough and continue to persist and have that level of consistency to get there. And so, you know, showing up every day not every day is going to be your best day and not every day you're going to have your, your best output. But I guarantee you, if you show up and you put in that work, then Ultimately, and you know, I'm like I said before, you know, we're still sitting here, not quite profitable, we keep reinvesting, it's because I believe in the long term vision, and I'll continue to do everything that's needed to to get there. And knowing, I would say as well, like one of the other things that when I look at my job as the CEO of the business is, all I really have to do is care about my people. If, if I care about my people, and I look after them, then they'll take care of absolutely everything else. So, you know, I'd say, if you are in a position where you're managing people or you're running a business, stop thinking about what's in it for you because everyone's thinking about what's in it for them. If you flip that script and you just think, well, what's in it for them, and how do I make sure that they're happy, you know, you'd be uh, you'd be shocked to see what might uh, ensue. Who knows? You might uh, grow a business to
1: over 300 people in uh, less than three years. I love that. I've just written two of those things down there success is a guarantee i like that you just got to be around long enough to see it and, and it's something i saw at virgin startup all the time that you know people would start a business and before it got to two or three years they would literally shut it down and start another business and then do the same process and, and i've been guilty of that myself you know in in the past for sure of trying to trying to scale too quickly, like with the physical business that I have, like a sports injury business, trying to open too many locations um, in too short a period of time and ending up, you know, robbing Peter to, to pay Paul because one location wasn't successful as the other, et cetera. Um, and you just think, you have, know, you seen, have you seen, have you seen we yeah. crashed? Have you seen no. we crashed?
0: No. Watch, watch it. That's exactly uh, it's the we work story. Um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, um, But uh, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly it. And, you know, one of the things that you look at, and I think that's another nugget uh, of wisdom and advice is, you know, calculated growth and expansion over indexation is going to cripple you if you don't get the mechanics right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, to your point, you know, robbing Paul to pay Peter and going through that cycle over and over at some point, it's like, well, hang on. If I just take one step back and I think through and understand, well, what's the financial trajectory if I get this really right, half right, or, you know, it's a Mm. semi-flop or it's a total flop. So yeah, mate, uh, you've got all the, you've got all the wisdom here.
1: (laughs) No, no, appreciate that. That, 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 I really like that as well. And, and also, you know, what you said there at the end about thinking instead of, you know, what's in it for you, you know, what's in it for them and, and, and letting that, you know, them take care of running the business as long as you make sure that they're that they're happy ultimately and they're um they're happy in their work and they're motivated and you've got the incentives in place to do that as well um is all really really sound advice um before you go i wanted uh let's touch on to to, to finish up because again I know we could we could talk for hours clearly, but uh, you've got a business to run. Um, or, or or two or three um, would, would be, you know, something we said earlier. So, you know, scaling quickly and growing a business, you know, in a pretty short period of time, again, comes with its own pressures, um, you know, lifestyle pressures as well. And we both talked a little bit before around, you know, that, that hustle culture. And I think those of us who, you know, read 4-Hour Week the first time round and, you know, read um, – was it Jab Jab? Uh, was Gary Vee's? But anything by Gary Vee that you know, kind of you know, portrays that that hustle culture. And those of us who you have lived it, um, it's not healthy. And what kept happening to me was I kept getting ill, literally, like every two or three months. And it's just like you know that realization of you know one of my guests telling me, "If you can't look after yourself, how can you look after anybody else in your business? How can you look after your staff? How can you look after your clients?" and it was that kind of realization again okay so i need to look after my nutrition better my sleeping habits better my exercise better my stress levels better and you know some of those you know lockdown lessons that that i took and, and now continue to do this day that i mentioned to you so like you know the which my audience will be sick of me talking about i'm sure swimming in the sea every morning the cold water dipping i'm um, taking you know just 3 or 4 hours off on a friday finishing early to go and play golf with my with my best buddies um things like that and there's, there's a number of other ones but things like that that have you know just that time that I get doing that the one sets me up for the day amazingly i literally feel like i've had you know four shots of espresso and then the end of the week kind of bookends the week for me but also sets me up for enjoying the weekend and then attacking the next week because i've been able to decompress um had a laugh enjoyed myself um, so things like that. So interested to know your, your take on, on that as well. Yanni. before we, before we wrap up here for sure. Are you, are you a Wim Hof guy? Yeah. 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 He's, our, he's our hero. We love Wim. He
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get you, let's get him on here. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, we had a bit of a chat before we hit record and you know, before I share with you guys though, where I sit right now and a bit about my routine, uh, I live that hustle culture. Um, I actually cannot stand Gary Vee, um, to be honest with you. I just think that he glorifies it where yeah. you've always got to be on and you've always got to, you know, like cameras on me. It's just, it, it. you know, he's probably a very small percentage of people that can live a life like that and he's like totally energized like that. I'm a super extroverted person. I'm filled up by being around people and conversations and even I know that, you know, there is a limit to how much you can push. And, you know, I think like you as well, I probably wasn't as happy as I am today. Uh, I didn't, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm with Tully now. I've got a three-month-old at home. And like, those are the important things. I've, I've got a dog as well. Um, you know, those are the, that's my world. And so if I'm sitting here a hundred and whatever hours a week focused on this for them, you know, am I really doing what's best for, for my family? And so today, um, you know, I woke up this morning, I fed Leo, he's three months old. I fed him at 6am. I'm a, I'm a definitely an early riser. I'm up by between five and six every, every day. Fed him, strapped into him me, took the dog with me. I walk along the beach. We did probably about eight kilometers uh, back and forth for a couple, two and a half hours. Uh, chatted with a couple of my mates back home. Got in the shower. Went to our meeting. I did. I meditated for twenty minutes before jumping on. I do my five minute journal every day. And I think, like you, and this was probably one of the harder things is I also now. I bookend my week. The weeks here go Sunday through Thursday. So I'm not taking calls after 6 p.m. on a Thursday. And that's like checkout time. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm done at that point. And I'm trying as much as possible. And I have a full time executive assistant who handles my emails now, which is, you know, I'd say one of the biggest life hacks that I've ever had, but she manages my inbox. So I now no longer have that need to. I also, deleted all social media off my phone. I have Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all these things where you sort of get these dopamine hits. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. So that's a bit about my routine. I think like for anyone listening, um, y- you need to invest in the things that are important and everything feels urgent. But when you build that space, and you know, I'd love to ask you the question, Alex, as to you know when you started committing to that golfing session and having that wind down and really sort of demarcating when your work week finishes and where your weekend started, like, what was the, what was your output level going into life after that? You know, Mm. I, am sure, uh, you know, I can only guess that your productivity and effectivity and everything that you did in the times where you constrained time to work in these sort of, you know, sectioned off hours increased rapidly. And I just read this book called deep work, um, Mm. which I highly recommend to anyone. Um, but it talks a lot about like what you've done there is one of the practices that you'll learn about in deep work and you can understand how that changes sort of the mental landscape of of time scarcity. So anyway, I've gone on a little bit here, but I feel very strongly about not glorifying that hustle culture and really thinking about taking time for yourself and and doing what's best for, for everyone around you. And that's your family and your friends and of course your team.
1: No, I, I agree with you. Mine's, mine's you know, not dissimilar um, I have to say um, when it comes to uh, meditation is something that I was doing that I've gotten out of that habit which is easy to do and I'm getting back into it yoga is another one that I was doing like every day for like a year and a half and I've just started getting back into it because um I, again I took up running was another one and I literally went from running a 5k to running 42k and doing a doing wow a marathon. Um, and, and I'm now just found out at the weekend that I've got a place at this year's New York marathon. So it gives me another physical goal. I'm the kind Good of person who needs that kind of physical goal. Thank you. And and I've never ran with people when I did the marathon, I did it on my own cause it was during lockdown. Um, but yeah, I, I'm the kind of person that if I've got a physical goal and I've got, you know, business goal as well. And then, you know, family goals, obviously as well. Um, it, it, it helps me focus, um, you know, on those segmented periods of time and like now, as I'm sure you'll get into in, in a few years, like with only a congratulations with a three-month-old, you know, I'm, I'm out the other end with a 13 and a 15-year-old and it's, um, you know, you suddenly go, right, we're, we're back, we've got six weeks and then they get six weeks off, holidays, it's like, okay, so this is my block, you know, this is my six-week block, if I can, uh, which, is, which is my goal, I'm not quite there yet, but I, I said it a year or two years ago, maybe before the pandemic hit, of course, which screwed everything up, but going, if I can take out, if I can take off all of the school holidays and have that time and have the business set up so that, you know, whatever's required of me, I do before then I'm still contactable of course, but ultimately this is the block I'm going to record all the podcast interviews in. This is the block that I'm going to get all of the guests for the, we've got this big event in October that I'm putting on with a new business. We just set up at Olympia in a, in, in October for like five, 10,000 people. If I can work in those blocks, and life just, you can just, you can feel like the layers of an onion, like the layers of stress, like coming off you. And you can see the benefit then that your family get because they get to see more of you and they don't see this stressed version of you. They see this happier version. might look a bit exhausted because you come off a three hour run, but Hey. (laughs) I
0: I, I mean, you know, you, you also like, there's so much to take from, you know, for your listeners to take from everything. Like, you know, if you don't set, a goal, whether it's a a running goal or having some sort of a target, then how do you know if you've succeeded or failed? You sort of sit in this no man's land. So I'm like you, I like to have uh, a goal. Um, I actually failed to mention. I also spend three, four days in the gym every week as well. And I was swimming heavily. I'm, you know, doing some, some, some some pretty serious lifting these days as well. So I think it's like, it's critical, but the, the point I wanted to make here is that like all those goals that you have, um, really set the tone for how successful you are and will continue to be and I'll I'll also just share Gino Wickman who wrote that book Traction who I'd argue is I'd say one of the most successful entrepreneurs you'll ever meet from the standpoint of how many other entrepreneurs he's been able to impact with the methodology that he's built it's been rolled out into north of 10,000 businesses and that's impacting you know significantly more lives actually flew to Orlando for the conference. There's gonna be one in London in September. So it might be, cool. might be interesting okay. for you to check out. But yeah, he in his keynote, he talked about the fact that he takes off 152 days a year. He takes the entire month of August off, has done so for the last 21 years of his life. And he obviously includes weekends where he does no work. And and so he's been one of the more efficient and capable people creating those constraints and actually living the life that he wants to live and that's sort of his gift is teaching entrepreneurs that you can have it all and you can have more mm. freedom and more time and more money doing effectively less hours so yeah just uh, really you know drinking the Kool-Aid and and uh, you know just a big believer in sort of the the way in which you're setting those parameters and, you know, living your life and, you know, to take six, you know, what an incredible opportunity to be able to take six weeks off to spend time with your kids. You know, I, I genuinely hope that that's where I will be, um, you know, from as early as, you know, it makes sense because he's three months now and he doesn't, he doesn't really know
1: uh, a whole lot. He laughs a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. No, that's I'm going to, I mean that's great. I, I love speaking to to guests like yourself. We, we've got books to check out um, as well. That's like fantastic resources. Another one. Last thing I'll say before before we go will be um, your podcast, the Successful Scales Podcast. Give that uh, a quick shout out and maybe tell me um, what who is one guest that you would love to to get on that show as well. Like kind of top of your wish list. But first of all, you know um, what is the show? Who's it for? And then give me one guest that you'd love to get on that show. Yeah,
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, the show is called Successful Scales. And it's all about helping entrepreneurs grow their business in it, it might be around marketing, it might be around mindset, might be around anything. But I like to bring on guests that have done some, you know, have demonstrable history, you know, anyone that's raised, you know, millions of dollars of capital to run billion dollar businesses and grown them and educating you know my listeners on how to to effectively approach you know one of those specifics so uh, i would say one guest that i really want to get on and i actually think i'm going to get him on is gino wickman um, Okay, Maybe. so so yeah so that's that's definitely exciting especially after seeing him speak a few months ago uh just it's funny you were saying before as well um you know you've dropped off the yoga or you've gotten a little bit back into it but the meditation mm. i totally dropped off my journaling And my meditation, and you know, life is not linear. You You know, yeah, (laughs) but but what I'll say is today will be my 45th day in a row since that conference that I've meditated every single day consistently. Okay, And, Mm. and so, um, I have you know the five minute journal that I use, uh, which is also a great resource. You talk about the Three things that you're grateful for, three things that would make today great, and one daily affirmation. And then you write at the end of the day, three amazing things that happened to me today, and one thing that could have made today even better. Um, You know, I've been doing that for five or six years now, and there's literally, there'll be a six month period where I won't write in it, and then something will hit me, and I get that sort of bug to build that system, you know, that life hack system back in. And, you know, that was the kick in the ass that I needed going to see uh, Gino and, and, and that whole, uh, conference in Orlando. So, um, mate, I'm happy to be your accountability partner and see if you're, uh, meditating. I use Headspace <laughs> as well. It's super simple.
1: I was, see that, that's why I did it. I was using Headspace and then for whatever reason, um, got out of it. And, um, I think I need something like that to get me to do it. Um, quick, quick one for you is as if, if you, um, given the books that you've read, have you read, um, Indistractable by Nir IR. I haven't. I haven't. I'm going to though. Yeah. Um, And and he's, I've had him on a couple of times, had him on my clubhouse room as well. And um, he's always um, looking to go on other podcasts as well. Um, He's a fantastic, you know, like Stanford. Is he out of Israel? He's um, in Singapore um, now, but originally I believe so. Yeah. And with a name like 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 that. that. Sounds like a Hebrew uh, name. Yeah. 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 But he, he's a top guy. I think like ex-Stanford um, professor. and He's read Hooked is the other book he's read as well. Both like huge selling books. You We'd know,
0: love, uh, love to host him.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, do, an, I'll do an intro for you because I think you get on really well. He's, he's a top guy, absolutely top guy. As yeah, you are.
0: I love that. I could um, give you. I, you didn't ask me all the books that I want to recommend. No. You want you want more uh, content? I got them uh, for days, mate.
1: <laughs> oh, I will follow up with you on that. Um, but look, amazing to to have you on the show. Uh, really appreciate it, and I'll and I'll shout out to Todd who introduced us as well for this. And um, definitely stay in touch. And um, when you're over here, drop us a line. And if we're able to to hook up, let's uh, let's do it. Would love to, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Yoni Kuzminski. If you'd like to learn how to launch and grow your own number one rated podcast like this with zero experience, zero knowledge and zero tech skills, come and join me at ultimatepodcastmastery.com where I've just launched... A limited number of people, brand new podcast membership course. So you'll get access to my ultimate podcast mastery membership course. You'll get my digital workbook, my progress sheet, my launch checklist, and all of the nitty gritty cheat sheets, templates, and scripts the Podpreneur way. You'll also get weekly live Q&A with me, exclusive WhatsApp group chat and entry to my private Facebook group, as well as access to all my past interviews and trainings with special guests as well. This is available for a limited time for a limited number of people. So once it's gone, it's gone. But if you'd like to learn how to do exactly what I'm doing now, then I'll show you how head on over to ultimatepodcastmastery.com. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the Screw It, Just Do It Facebook page, this houses the Screw It, Just Do It community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time.